Hi, my name is Tyler Fornis, and I am the co-host of The Good, The Bad, and The Hunky here on the Voice Wrestling Podcasting Network. Every week, my co-host Fred Moreland and I discuss all the happenings of all elite wrestling and everything going on in the universe of Tony Khan. We talk about Dynamite, we talk about Rampage, and we will talk about Collision when the time comes as well, along with all the appearances outside of AEW from all the best talents in all elite wrestling. This is one of the more cohesive wrestling companies in the entire world, and we discuss every intricacy about it, including the unique booking of Tony Khan that is both a huge positive and a major detriment. Check us out every single Thursday here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Hey kids, do you like professional wrestling? Well, we like professional wrestling too. This is Shake Them Ropes. I am Jeff Hawkins along with Chris Novembrino. And a special treat for you right now. Shake Them Ropes Theater presents Shake Them Ropes as if written by Chat GPT. <laughs> Welcome to Shake Them Ropes, a podcast where we break down the latest in professional wrestling. I'm your host, Jeff Hawkins, and joining me today is Chris Novembrino. Hey, glad to be here. So let's start with the most recent episode of Monday Night Raw. What were your overall thoughts on the show? Well, I thought it was a mixed bag. On the one hand, we had some great matches, like in the opening bout between... Insert da- names. <laughs> no, da- damage control and the other team. They really brought the energy and set the tone for the rest of the night. I agree. That match was a highlight for me. But what about some of the other segments? I know there was some controversy around, well, what do I put here? The Cody Rhodes promo. Oh, yes. That was definitely a low point. <laughs> I'm not sure what the creative team was thinking with that one. It just came across as tone deaf and out of touch. Do you think that that's a sign of a larger problem with the product right now? <laughs> I definitely think it's a symptom of something. There seems to be a disconnect between what the fans want to see and what the company is actually producing. And that's not just limited to this one segment. It's been a reoccurring issue for a while now. So what do you think needs to change? Well, for starters, I think the creative team needs to listen more to the fans and take their feedback into account. (laughs) And the wrestlers themselves need more creative freedom to explore their characters and storylines. That's a good point. It'll be interesting to see how things evolve in the coming weeks and months. But for now, that's all the time we have for today. Thanks for tuning in to Shake Them Ropes. We'll be back next week with more analysis and discussion of the world of professional wrestling. 
Oh my God, Chris, we're out of a job. We're out of a job. <laughs> what are we going to do? I, I can still have the theme song. AI is going to take us. That's every podcast that exists. I mean, seriously, this this will put ESPN out of a job sooner. <laughs> Bro, like, how hard would it be to make like a Skip Bayless chatbot? Just come oh. in there. Say something that's not really defensible so much as it is incendiary. Do, do a script of a chat show between a dumb jock and a blowhard sports journalist. <laughs> yeah, like Golik and Greeny. That that is not that hard of a show to make no, an AI version. No. <laughs> uh, I, I actually put in put put in a wrestling show uh, a podcast about two jaded wrestling fans and that's the one i read to you before the show <laughs> that, one, that one was interesting too but yeah no this is uh this is shake them ropes uh until at least the uh till microsoft decides that we're no longer useful um <laughs> it's definitely a symptom of something oh god <laughs> great line great line yeah um start off uh, a little bit of a uh, scary news health-wise for jerry lawler jerry lawler had a stroke on monday uh was found face down in the parking lot of his condo complex by friends. Uh, he is said to have uh, regained at least the ability to communicate and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, at 73, he was still doing towns occasionally and doing like one shot. So um, prayers and thoughts to one uh, Jerry Lawler. Yeah, I I should certainly hope that this is the end of Lawler's in-ring action. Uh, because he's just had so many of these strokes now that I I, I don't want to see him in the ring again. Yeah, he, I don't think he does a whole lot in the ring, but you know, it's it, he's there for the punch. But even, but I mean, he's seventy three years old. And it's one of those things where it's almost now like a contest between him and Flair, between who's going to do a match when they're the oldest. And, and, and you know, you don't want to see your heroes go out like that, you know. But uh, you know, Carney's going to Carney a bit. Yeah, I mean, it's weird, right? Like, part of me goes, I, I feel like both of these dudes want to go out like Dusty Hill did, but, like, there's something weirdly different about, like, how Dusty Hill, this is the basis of ZZ Top, right. went out versus watching Ric Flair and Jerry Lawler basically deliver their final blows to themselves in the ring. Texas death match. Yeah. <laughs> but, no, that's just that's just too macabre. I'm sorry about that. That was just off the fly uh <laughs> moving on uh good news for aew uh espn made a deal to broadcast aew in australia new zealand and the pacific islands and uh, carrying it starting next wednesday including pay-per-views so hey aew's making uh making broadcast deals too around the horn and i think espn you know i i i'm not gonna say that uh when tv negotiators come up that espn could be a player for AEW, but uh, at least worldwide, it's a start because you know I, I think Disney broadcasts WWE in some countries. I remember reading that story at one time. So it's just one of those things where you're getting good with certain streamers and stuff like that for certain regions of the world. It is always better to have a working relationship than to not have a working relationship. <laughs> Very true. Get paid. Get paid. Get paid. Uh, no longer getting paid by the Fed. JBL no longer being booked on Raw. We saw that breakup angle with uh, Baron Corbin. 
I find this to be positive news, Chris. I JBL brings nothing to the table for me in terms of either promo or or commentary. Yeah, uh, certainly. I think that it's definitely a symptom of something. There seems to be a disconnect between what the fans want to see and what the company is <laughs> actually producing. And that's not just been limited to this one segment with JBL. It's been a recurring issue for a while now. Uh, interesting rumors surrounding uh, Paul White might be looking to make a return to the ring. Uh, and I have been here. He gave an interview saying he feels really good and his knee searches has gone. Are, are you interested in seeing a Paul, another Paul White match in AEW? Not particularly. Yeah. I, I don't, I, I don't really see where he fits in, into this puzzle. Um, I, I mean, maybe special attraction, maybe special attraction match. Uh, maybe you have. Paul White, you just get the punch really over and you sort of have him chase MJF for a month or something. I mean, he's yeah. so big that you can't use him more than just a few times and you can't use him with right. really certain people. That's that's the hard part here. Is like, I, I mean, he seems like the best deployment of him would be against MJF. Like you just get get his punch over for a long time. And, and like maybe it's punch versus punch. You know, MJF has like the loaded dynamite diamond ring punch. And you have the the giant authentic punch and you sort of just get over you know this punch versus punch thing and then obviously you know paul white loses but i i I don't really see i don't see a point in that other than a basically a placeholder feud for mjf yeah um interesting news coming out of that aew broadcast on on wednesday thunder rosa part of the spanish broadcast this week which is intriguing because I was I was somewhat under the impression that uh, that was a bit of a rocky relationship right now, but maybe things have been smoothed over. Man, I sure thought so when they de-interimed Tony Storm's interim championship run, right? Like, I, I viewed that whole, like, Tony Storm was never interim champion. She was actually legit champion to be, like, a slap in the face of Thunder Rosa. Money cures everything. <laughs> I've been but- told. Yeah, I, I can't so, wait to experience it firsthand. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Same here. <laughs> I just, oh, I've been reading about people getting with the NBA trades going on, people getting bought out. I'm just like, that's the dream, baby. Getting paid to go away. <laughs> Injury news JD McDonough suffered a detached retinon this Tuesday's NXT <sighs> in that segment with Ilya Dragunov, who, who returned. And the bunny on Dynamite this week possibly suffered a concussion or an orbital bone injury in that match with Jamie Hayter, where they went home early. Um, yeah, that that bunny uh, bump that she took was a little bit scary. But also, I mean, if, if you're going to get a positive out of a bad situation, it makes Jamie Hayter look like an absolute killer. I, I, yeah, I don't know that they were having a good enough match to really... No. Yeah, that's my... Problem. I mean, uh, you, you went yes. home early, and it's a good thing you went home early. It, yeah, it, it wasn't like things were going super well prior <laughs> to that spot. That spot was the worst part of a match that was going poorly. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, we, we weren't building to the crescendo on that one, <laughs> were we? No, no, I don't think so. Yeah, I mean, you know, there, there are happy accidents, and that is probably one. And, you know, I mean, I don't say this to, to mock bunny's health or anything like that but i'm saying jamie hater is a strong champion can only be a positive for that women's division right now no i i agree on that um i just 
didn't think Hater was having a strong outing in that match herself. I, like, what do you think of Jamie Hater as a you know as a wrestler? Better than Cargill. <laughs> Come on! No, no. Why, why am I comping two champions in the women's divisions? Why would I no, ever do I, such a thing? I like, get no, that. But... Yeah, yeah, but like, um, I, I guess the reason I'm saying that is I still feel like maybe there's a little bit of an aspirational aspect to Hater too, where it's like we want her to live up to potential. I think she's got great fan connection. Um, I think she's got the look too. I don't. I, I don't know that I've seen the long form story out of her. And I don't think that having her with Baker and rebel is letting her be her. I feel like it still feels very much like her title reign is in the shadow of the Britt Baker faction. Yes. No, I, I will, I will give you that because I, I mean, I think we're all waiting for the moment where that breaks apart so that we can see, okay, what does Jamie hater have? as a champion versus Britt Baker presents Jamie Hayter champion type of a thing. Yeah. Right. Like it, it, to me, the jury's still out on Hayter, but thus far, I mean, the, the reason I'm also waiting for Hayter feud with Baker is it's kind of like who is going to make Hayter actually have to deliver that 15 minute match. Yeah. I, 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 I'm a little reticent. I gotta be honest with you with, with her and, and, and I'm also wondering, man, I, I could see them. I mean, do you keep Brit as the heel or do you make Jamie the heel? I think you got to make Brit the heel. You have to make yeah. Brit rebel the heel. Yeah. Eventually. But uh, it's one of those things where this is going to have to go on a while until we get the breakup, uh, you know, with the uh, originals versus. Yeah, now that we have, like, yes, the, the NWO oh my God. light war, basically. <laughs> Do you think anybody were in characters watching going, oh, they got Leva Bates. Now we, yeah. we got to get angry. Oh, <laughs> uh, I, I don't like the idea that like the. Oh, a how dare you, sir? Why you would the AEW originals feel a deep fealty for a low level heel? Yeah. Like, like, like <laughs> Leva B Bates and pretty Petey Avalon are basically like they're you know they're they are they're the like, glass joe of the punch out franchise yeah yeah they're the low <laughs> they're, no, they're the low level goons that you face on the first level on the yes. first in the first zone like you beat them up at like they have like no hp <laughs> well, i will not stand for the slander of librarians ma'am <laughs> You know, you know, you you throw like the box at Pretty Peter Avalon. He goes, he goes down, and then like two more come out from the side of the screen. I mean, they could have faked a punch, and she would have gone down, probably. No, I, I, it, it's there is the the writing really is sort of like just the logic holes are there, and you just need to ask. I mean, are, are people are people really that? Uh... Oh man, I just love this company so I I, I hate making companies baby faces and heels do because I, I, me too. I, I I if anything, I feel like the one thing WCW got right, like weirdly, is that they were not the cool ones. That like WCW, the brand was kind of uncool, and they made like the invading force the cool thing. 
Um, see, I think they got that horribly wrong, though, eventually, because of, it, no, I, I was about to the back end of that sentence is it eventually backfired yes, on them. Okay. They, didn't, they didn't stick the landing, but I think it it's better than like, I don't know, like got to defend the homeland or whatever. Like, oh, no, have- you know what I need? I need a meeting of the women's locker room and I need Jade Cargo to say, hey, here at AEW, we're all a family. <laughs> Jake Cargill needs to explain why they need to make AEW great again. <laughs> yeah, like, 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 oh, yeah. come on. There, there are these invading people from the outside. I was going for corporate malfeasance, but then you made it political, and I can't do that. <laughs> look, look, I mean, it just. It, it, Here uh, at AEW, the women's division, I feel like. I don't feel like we're coworkers. I feel like we're a family right now. <laughs> I, I know some of you are on your day off here for this early morning meeting, but yeah, uh, we're getting into it. There's no sponsor this week. Uh, people hate paying us now, I guess. And you can see why. Uh, the lazy river of wrestling criticism, whatever we watched, whatever we are thinking about, whatever we're doing in the world of professional wrestling, we'll talk about here, be it AEW, WWE, or Parts Unknown. I am very happy to announce I have reorganized my Plex server, and I now have a giant, uh, I now have a giant drive of old wrestling I can now watch and and relate to. And I'm I'm getting started on the history of the Freebirds, which is fascinating stuff, especially their work in Georgia, where you have like Michael Hayes and. Uh, and Kevin Von Erich taking on the team of Snuka and Gordy. I know I've talked about that previously, but uh, I'm getting more deep into it. And uh, that Gordy Snuka team is a lot of fun. They are. They're great. Chris, I'll I'm uh, going to be doing. No, I'm going to be doing a deep retrospective on 205 Live, the uh, latter years. <laughs> Oh, are you the Tony yeah. Nese years? Yeah, yeah, we're we're taking a deep dive on the Tony Nese years here. Oh, that again uh, well, on the I, premium episode. I I think you know the elephant in the room, so to speak, and we'd be doing you know an injustice to wrestling if we did not start with the tale of the two promos on both Raw and and Dynamite this week. Um, oh. go ahead. Was MJF's promo taken from a movie or something? Because I swear to God, like that story, I knew that I knew where that story was going. I'm like, oh, I know where he's going with this. I know this story, but I don't know why I know that story. Uh, I've I've read that it was a Pearl Jam song. Is that it? Uh, I think so. I will. Uh, I will. I will look that up real quick. Uh, Last Kiss by Pearl Jam. Okay. 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 So that's like, that's not even like, well, but it's also taken from both... real. I mean, there's, there's also a real life corollary there because uh, an MMA fighter tried to do the same thing. It was the roadhead was not involved, but, but it was switching places with the unconscious girlfriend to make it look like she was driving. It, it was an interesting move. There was, it, I, Okay, look. There was a, a you're not on Twitter. So you weren't in the no. middle of this. No. But there were wrestlers getting angry at this. Like Tom Lawler was like, "Hey, my my sister died in a car accident." Oh god. You know, type really? of a thing and it's like, "Okay. 
no, to no, me, no. To me, it nah. was like there was one, there's one person at that building that night that you needed to get clearance from to do an angle or a, a bad crass story about a car accident. And that's Mark Briscoe who's cutting or who was cutting a promo for Friday's Dynamite or at least sent it in. Other than that, it's like I don't need to, you know, you, you don't want to look at Tom Lawler and go, well, was your sister, you know, doing something she wasn't supposed to be doing during the drive or something? It's like you, you can't. You got to keep your seatbelt buckled. It's true. <laughs> yes. But I mean, the whole point of it was it was a crass, stupid story that was probably fake to get people's anger going up there. And, you know, the the illusion to, quote unquote, live Morgan supposedly in it because they're both long island kids and you know it, it, there, there were plenty of little easter eggs in there to do that i mean i i saw you know a certain section of fandom who was like did, did they really need the blowjob joke in there really yeah uh, uh, nerds I, oh, um, okay so so you're kind of on the i, I was like everybody just needs to relax he's getting I, he, heat he's supposed to get uh, yeah like like he's supposed well, we to don't be want unlikable. that kind of heat i'm like no, okay no i but but these are the same people though who were like tried to intellectualize like the uh Takeshita stuff a couple of weeks ago or a few weeks ago we're like that was within the purview um i don't know man like i i, I just for whatever reason, it didn't quite land for me, but it wasn't like, oh, this is this is beyond the pale. I can't believe he would say something like that. Oh, what a petty way of getting heat. I just like, I don't know that it. I, it didn't, I think that, it didn't land with me either, but it's probably yeah. for the similar reason. It, it's one of those things where it's like, I kind of want MJF. It's not lining up with the story in the ring so far. That too. I mean, I don't want I don't want MJF to be a psychopath. I want MJF to be a cocky heel champion. And the thing was in the, the, the story you get from the Takeshita match this week where he beat him clean, he beat Takeshita clean without cheating. And there was no, no tinge of psychopathy. During exactly. The match. No, yeah. he is a man in control. He can go toe to toe with Daniel or with Brian Danielson. If he so chooses and it doesn't make him a flake. It gave him, championship credibility and i you know i loved what that match did for him in the greater storyline in that sure he's concerned about brian danielson but he can hold his own against brian danielson too and 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 then that story is just all about how you know hey i was a teenage punk and i'm a jerk and i know i'm a jerk and uh, you know but, but you, you also got tell the leg you're in- a jerk if you got the leg injury that's the other part of the story there too um yeah, I think that's a little bit overused with MJF. I think I think no. the injury in the midst of your offense that they always do with him, I think that's a little bit overdone with him. He was selling the leg injury after the match. I feel like I was fine with that. I no, think. I'm I'm not complaining about that. I'm saying that's another thread of the story. Is that oh, like okay. they're trying to say Danielson's injured, but now MJF in sort of his hubris going up against Takeshita. Um, is also now a little bit injured, not as injured as Danielson, though. Right. Yeah. Well, I, I think that, like, they're trying to balance out the scale a little bit because I think they realized they went too far too fast with the Danielson injury angle. Yeah, and, and I, well, I mean, I think they, they heightened it a little bit with the shoulder thing going through the door, and they'll, they'll make mention of that. Um, that was interesting. Two guys who can't be carpenters for crap. Apparently, you don't want to hire Jose the assistant and... Uh, 
Although I, I, I did enjoy the Roosh match quite a bit. But it, yeah, it's one of those things where it's like, I, I just, I didn't want, I don't want MJF to be a cartoon character. And I think he, it's always, he goes to that line and then he doesn't just take one step. He decides he needs to be three feet beyond the line. And it kind of go, it kind of reminds you, oh yeah, it's a wrestling show. I'm not watching a real guy. I'm watching a guy who's playing a heel right now. Uh, or, or, you know, here's maybe what I think about that promo. It felt like he was trying to shoot a demo reel for when he goes to act later on. That he really wanted to deliver a high quality monologue. And it didn't really matter if the tone and the delivery didn't match the story that he's currently telling. Because in the broader, you know, sizzle reel of MJF, this is going to look awesome. Well, you know what else? I mean, no, I, I think that's not a bad point. But I, I'll, I'll compare it to the Heyman line in the Cody promo. Where he says, you know... Dusty wishes that Roman was his the son he never had or whatever. And nobody believes that. Nobody believes Dusty ever said that. You just knew he was kind of trolling to see if he could get a reaction out of him. And and it's one of those things where it's just like at, at that moment you go, okay, this is fake. This promo yep. is entirely fake. Uh, and and made out of whole cloth. Now, comparing the two, the thing that I loved about the Cody promo, and I know that there are people especially big-time AEW fans who hate Cody. AEW fans have this aversion to Cody because people were giving him flowers when it should have been Kenny and the Bucks and all these other things because he liked to do his story-type promos. I understand that. They're a little little long-winded. They're a little monologue-y. I get it. I get the criticism. But the end of that entire segment is what made it for me when Cody goes to shake the hand, he says, you know, I'm just trying to win a wrestling match and everybody wants to make it personal. And I went, thank God <laughs> he didn't get, he didn't get all, Oh, you, you said dusty would didn't love me as a son or something. He just, he saw through it. He was competent and it, and it wasn't the melodrama of everything else in that promo. He goes, I'm just trying to win a wrestling match here. And I went, man, that is really good. And is so against the archetype of what WWE has done for the past 20 years. I'm not going to give full credit to Hunter there. Don't get me wrong. But I just liked it as a little story beat. As competency amongst two actors. Yes. I think it almost like makes the whole Dusty said, you know. This is actually why I like the, in a way I can sort of defend the Dusty said Roman was the son he never had or whatever is that like, that was the moment of clarity for Cody where Cody was almost biting into all of yeah. the crocodile tears of Heyman and everything. And then when Heyman said that it was the bridge too far and, and Cody knew better. Oh, the carnies carnying right now. Yep. <laughs> yeah. That kind of yeah. thing. I know. I, I kind of like that, honestly. Yeah. I thought that was a great piece of business. And I thought, uh, yeah, I, I, um, I mean, it's, it's nice to have a second competent storyline in wrestling. Um, to go along with, uh, I, I watched SmackDown last week. Uh, it was after we taped, so it sometimes gets short shrift. But uh, number one, I, I absolutely adored Braun and Ricochet versus Imperium. I thought that was just a fantastic little piece of tag team business, and I love both those teams. SmackDown has a sneaky good tag team wrestling thing going on there with the Brutes and Legato del Fantasma. And it, it's it's becoming a work rate show. And I, I really, really like that a lot. But um, the follow-up to Sammy, 
Um, I, I think they missed a very important character note here because they're pivoting the emotional resonance to Jay, and I understand that. But they haven't convinced us that Sami Zayn can win the world title. And I think by making him psychotic as they are, I think they're I think they're missing an important character beat of maybe having Sammy play some mind games with Roman that he's been in control all along and he's turning his family against him within and he's coming for the titles. They, they need to convince me in the next two weeks that Sammy has a chance at Montreal and it's not just going to be, you know, the WWE loves their heat spots in Montreal and they're going to get it here. I know they're going to do that here. I think everybody knows that this story is going to somehow end up with Jay turning on Sammy in Montreal. But we want to buy in for a second. So he needs to beat Solo Sokoa then. Oh, I like that call. I like that a lot, Chris. They they protected Solo. They protected Solo, and and Solo needs to be sent out there as the assassin with with an extreme confidence from Roman that Solo's going to get the job done, and then... And Sammy gets the job done on Solo. Man, that that is that is strong because I have uh, I've also been inundated with this week with the uh, with the discourse that they should call an audible and belt Sammy in Montreal. And I could not think that is further from the truth. I love Sammy Zayn. I love El Generico. He's one of my favorite wrestlers. And he's been killing it in this story. Don't get me wrong. But there are moves in sports that are good stories, but not necessarily good for the league. You know, and I use the example of the Carolina Panthers with their losing record and found their way into the playoffs and made it to the Super Bowl and won. It's a good story, but it's bad for football. I think Cody is the definite choice to beat Roman here. And I think if they did, and I think if they did Sammy beating Roman, it's a nice story, but it's a story they don't tell well. They never tell the story of the guy that doesn't look like the leading man being an ass kicker. They thought Daniel they thought Daniel Bryan was too small to be an ass kicker. Who'd believe he can beat up anybody? If they told it better, sure, I'd be all in. And that also goes to my point about um goes to my point about they haven't given Sammy any credibility to beat anybody, and that's why I love your idea so much. But I, I just don't think I don't think Sami Zayn as a champion moves business, and I, and so I think they're going to use him for the heat. And I think a yeah, lot no, of people are going to be upset not knowing the that. money's in the chase. But I yeah. think you could still make Sami coming out of this with a signature win over Solo Sokoa, where there's no shenanigans, no Kevin Owens, no Jey Uso. It's just Sami. It's just Solo, and Sami beats Solo clean. Like, no, he, I, I love that idea. He, he outsmarts. He picks him apart. Solo's young. He's faster and stronger, but Sammy's smart. He's cagey. He finds a way to dismantle this guy and break him down. No, I, I, I like that a lot. Uh, it is your turn on the uh, Lazy River, sir. Um. Okay, so my boy Domicato made a big return. Oh, my week. goodness. <laughs> really? You went with Domicato as your first? Okay. Daba. Kato, and I'm sorry. This is this is the signature product of Raw Underground. No, no, yes, no. yes, yes, yes. Shane McMahon, the, the first week of that era of of Raw, 
Uh, Shane McMahon told us, pointed at this mammoth man and said, this is Dabakato. And that began, began a monster push that unfortunately <laughs> got terminated in its infancy. But now it's back. Dabakato has returned. Your turn. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you just left it. Here, I'm going to take a dump on your plate and serve it to you. Your turn. There's, there's nothing to be gained from any, from even the member berries of any of the stories that Dabakato slash Commander Aziz. Oh, Commander As is. Commander As is. Is one of the most beloved characters, second only to Slapjack, of the last decade. So I, it bothers me. That you could just toss away Dabakato so effortlessly. Oh my goodness. Okay. Um, Can't wait for the feud. I am going to sing the praises of, of the Judgment Day. Uh, number one, Dominic Mysterio. I have I have now I am now on board the Dominic Mysterio train. I don't know why. Actually, I do know why. It's that little moment where he's getting. He's getting glam slammed by Beth Phoenix on Raw. And he yells, Mommy. (laughs) (laughs) I'm in. I'm in, Chris. He gets the the character, and he's committed to the character, and he understands what makes this character a good heel character, and he's doing it, and it's great. Like, I I never thought it was going to click for this guy. I've watched him for a decade. And and to go from Lucha Underground when I was watching Dominic Mysterio like and he was you know kind of like a punchline, to this where he is authentically great as this. I spent one day like was it thirty six hours is what the the actual story is or something I in jail. That. Yeah, I spent thirty six hours in jail and like this is like now I'm prison Mike like from the office. Oh, it's great. I love it. I also want to give props to Damian Priest because because he absolutely blew a line in his promo. Uh, he he messed up Elimination Chamber with Money in the Bank. Oh, yeah. yeah. But his save was so fantastic. It, it's one of those things where some guys would get flustered that they blew a line, so they try to do it again. And he just he just looks at Finn and goes, you know what? I'm so angry. I forgot the name of the event. And then he just powered through like nothing. I'm like, that's the kind of naturalism I want in my wrestlers where, and and this might be a product of the new era, but I think some wrestlers would just get scared to death of having to go back to gorilla and getting screamed at by Vince that they ruined the entire build for blowing a line. And I just think he, he handled that so well. Now keeping in the family, I I loved the, the Cody Finn Balor match. I thought was pretty damn good. What do you think of Rhea challenging Charlotte? Cause the original plans back in November were Rhea and Becky and Charlotte and Bianca. And now we have Rhea calling out the three-year-old pandemic storyline of wanting her win back against Charlotte. I think this ends with Rhea being a baby face. That's okay. Good. We're both on the same page here on how is Charlotte not the heel. 
in this I, scene. I, I even think the crowd is going to enjoy essentially Rhea cuckolding Dominic and like view that as like part of the baby face <laughs> character. Oh, he comes out with her holding her pocket. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I I I think I can see the crowd even like turning on Dominic and like his like like Gomez Adamsing uh Rhea Ripley here. Oh, now I, I want that. I want Adam's family, Ramus or Dominic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She, she's Morticia and he's yes. Gomez. <laughs> Speak French to me. Yeah. <laughs> Kissing her arm. Oh, mommy. Yeah, yeah. And like and no, and that would lean further into the Eddie Guerrero oh, thing, too. You poor so Gomez. Good. You pour Gomez in with Eddie Guerrero, and you now have like essentially the Eddie and China storyline. You are on fire today. Uh, that is such a great idea. I absolutely love that. But yeah, uh, Charlotte, Charlotte's entire career on the main roster, they have never brought in anybody really to have her work from underneath. So how is, how is someone who has never had to generate sympathy because she's a flair and she does it with flair and she's the queen and woo and she was made for this. Is she going to all of a sudden learn that skill? Because and and plus her promos are always <coughs> nobody has what, ever liked Charlotte Flair. What's endearing for her about her character in terms of the WWE? Uh, in terms of the WWE presentation, what's endearing never, about her is is yes. name a thing, name a thing. Because like even now, my father like bringing up Ric Flair is not even a name check you want to do too much. Correct. So yeah, no one's like, oh yeah, Ric Flair, great guy, no problems there. Uh, like, yeah, like, no. Uh, so this crowd's going to be confused. I think, I, I think this crowd turns on this within three weeks. I, and, I, and, and, and cheers on Rhea. Yep. I, I think, I think Rhea starts getting over half of the crowd with her within three weeks. Wow. Okay. No, I, yeah. I I'm, I'm there. I'm there. Yeah. No, I, 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 cause I can't see how Charlotte comes out there and comes off as sympathetic for two weeks in a row. Yeah, and uh, might I just add in another thing here since I'm already talking about Raw? What do we do now with Becky and Bailey? Is is that going to be is that going to be the? Are we really reducing Becky and Bailey to the Legends match at WrestleMania with the six man? Because I still think there's a shot. I don't think it's a good shot, but I still think there's a small chance that Becky finds her way into that SmackDown elimination chamber to take on Bianca to rerun that program again. Because right now the only person in the, I mean, I could see Oscar Oscar's great psycho clown. Kana Oscar is just absolutely fantastic. And I think there's a small shot Rhea or Raquel Rodriguez and Bianca as, you know, new generation main event type of thing. But Becky, Lita, and maybe Trish versus Damage Control, who will be fresh off of losing the tag titles because that looks to be going to Ronda and, and Shayna in some way. And Bailey, is that really a WrestleMania dream match of some ways? I mean, and I ask this for this reason, because the original plan, as you remember, going back to last year was Becky and Ronda for a title unification at WrestleMania. And now we don't have Becky anywhere near a main event. 
I, I mean, I just, it seems, especially with the leader arrival here, that seems like Becky's path now. Like, yeah. I don't, I, yeah. Like, like once, what, once I saw that, I was just like, Oh, okay, that's what, she, that's what she's ending. doing. I hated the it's... ending of that match so much <clears throat> because the, the whole point of this is you have to build up the bad guys to eventually lose. And you just have the bad guys lose over and over again. That's not true. Um, we saw the Grayson Waller model on NXT <laughs> demoed out where what you actually do with the challenger, the heel challenger, is you have him lose every single time on the way into the match and then lose the match in a fairly decisive fashion. And then you wonder why you can't build a star out of a guy. Jesus. I just... I... God, uh, that I, I, I mean, like, I'm not emotionally invested in NXT too much, but like, dude, that guy had it. He's a good, he's good. He's not like great, but like, he's, he's good at, he's good. And yeah, they made him chicken shit. Yeah. Pardon my French. Sorry, no, I don't like no, to cuss on there, but, but you know, yeah, whatever, it's, you know, yeah. But yeah, and, and then, I mean, he's, he's Miz. They made him clown. Everybody's Miz. Too. Yeah, I just that count out uh, loss. That count out loss should have been the the source of Braun Breaker's false confidence for a title loss. Okay, yeah, yeah. no, uh, yeah, it's yeah. uh, it's your go on 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 the things that I already did a few. Uh, all right, um, okay, so then uh, let's talk about the ass boys winning the titles <laughs> in a, a, a real classic of a match here. Uh. Okay, but before you get to the match, did you have any problem with with the Gun Club being the tag champs? No. Okay. I actually don't. I don't I think either, I, I, but people no, do. Think, really? Yes. Wrestling Twitter was like, how could you take it away from the acclaim when they just got them and they're the hottest team right now? And I'm just like, dude, the whole point is that the Gun Club don't deserve these titles. Also, they wrote themselves into this corner and like they, this yes, is like pretty much the too. only way, the only way out of this stupid corner that they wrote themselves into by having these guys continue to intersect is that the, the gun club needed to win here. So well, I, I tend to it, think the timing was good for this kind of title change because right now all your great tag teams where the acclaimed were the title holders of your FTR is taking a sabbatical. The Young Bucks are have the trios titles. Uh, Pent the Lucha Brothers are were tied up with that in the trios division, and they're kind of off TV for right now. The House of Black is doing whatever, whatever cosplay crap they're doing right now, uh, and and aren't aren't serious players in the tag team division just yet. You only have really top flight as a team as a babyface team and the best friends i think you know for uh, in terms of actual tag teams that you see week after week on the thing am i missing somebody there maybe butcher think... and blade i mean they're low level and you can beat I, them I, I, yeah right and i think especially with like the gun club like these are the perfect scumbag like the, I, I imagine they'll eventually align themselves with MJF here because they also work as scumbags, which is now like sort of a moniker that MJF's picking up. These guys can get scumbag wins over baby faces and heels, and they they can be like the most hated tag team in the whole company. 
really well, here, quickly. Here's the, here's the thing that I hated about that match. Billy Gunn never needed to go down there. I disagree. He said he said he was okay. I'm going to stay in the back, but that yeah. ending of the match never affected him. And and I get the feeling, unfortunately, I think next, I think in the rematch at the pay per view or wherever it's going to be, I think Billy Gunn actually does now turn, which makes no sense because he's quote unquote proud of the initiative his boys <sighs> did or whatever. And I just, I, I I need the Gun Club to have a chance to get away from their father a bit to be an actual real tag team. For me so to okay, they, they are having a rematch at the pay-per-view i think they're having a rematch at the pay-per-view okay so uh i do like billy gum being down there i do think it's an important beat in the story in the sense that if these guys are going to be the the heel tag team that they need to be part of it needs to be like crushing their dad as part of the pathway like 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 oh being i agree one yeah so, like, having him involved in the second time around, I mean, I think they, they need to stretch their dad out. Like, they, they like, need to, like... Oh, see, I think they're really, becoming a unit again. Yeah, no, I don't think they should do that. I, I think agree. that that's a... I, I agree that that's a possibility. I'm saying what they ought to do here right. is, is you, need, you need to really break the gun boys bad against their dad. Like, yeah, I, and I they think... Need to do the, they need to do the unforgivable to him. And and out of the three teams I've compared uh, the acclaimed to, or the two teams and and the acclaimed, uh, you know, I, I've compared the acclaimed to the New Age Outlaws, and I've compared them a little bit to Enzo and Cass in terms of a lot of their goodwill is in their entrance and getting the pop, and the crowd loves them for the interplay and all that other stuff. I think they're the better wrestlers of either of those two teams. Uh, I, I think they're very, very good. Don't get me wrong. It's just one of those things where it's like, but are they the best tag team in AEW? Not necessarily. And they weren't when they got the titles amongst, you know, Swerve and Keith Lee and FTR and all those other ones. So this just makes, I mean, it's like, well, you're watering down the titles. I'm like, no, I think they're going to be an interim champ for one of these other super tag teams to then take the belts and then have more, you know, great matches with them. I think this is just a temporary beat to help out a young team. I, I, I don't, I didn't see the, there's a lot of gnashing of teeth that I just didn't understand on this one. I thought the ending was overbooked. Yes. Like I, I didn't. The, the moment he's sitting on the legs like there and the legs are shaking, I go belt shot out of the ropes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, cause. And then the, the, why? Okay. It's a main event match right and i feel like aew has been inconsistent on this where sometimes refs will come down and one ref will replace the other ref yes and, and sometimes they'll even call it out so this is a main event match so like we're sending someone down because it's a main event sort of thing and then like in this case there's no secondary official i i where's by the way you know, mad props to stefan smith for that bump he took that was a damn good bump oh no it was good shit uh but like someone normally in like every other match we would normally see would come down and replace the referee. Like this is where Audrey Edwards or Aubrey Edwards would come down. Right. Yeah. Like, and they did that I, for I, uh which match was it? It was, um, Oh, it was the Jarrett. It was, it was for the tag team titles. It was the Jarrett uh, lethal versus the acclaimed match. So yeah, I, I feel like it got, 
I mean, I get that there's fungibility with this. I'm sure they could try, you know, they'll explain away why there was not a second ref. I, I get that you can kayfabe all that stuff away, but it's just like, I mean, it's like, oh, come on. Normally there there would be a second ref down here right. eventually, right? Yeah, you, you got to have some consistency as to when you're going to have the, the second ref and when you're not. Yes. I and I know that that seems like a quibble, but it, it, it stood out to me when I was watching it. Let me give some praise to the uh, AEW Dark Universe. Um, I did enjoy both those shows. I watched them. Um, I, I, I don't know. I love the eight woman tag and just the the visual of of <laughs> Emmy Sakura with Nyla Rose and and Marina Shafir and then Diamante just as a slap shot. It reminds me of of you know the uh, what they used to do on Turner, where it's like, okay, we have these three feuds, let's put these people all together in in a tag team type of thing. But I'm going to talk about the magic of the Outrunners. My God, they won a match on AEW Dark, and they got to cut a promo. And I, the jury is out for me because this promo was so unredeemably stupid. I loved it but I think they might be hitting the gimmick a little bit too hard. So I need, I need your outside perspective on this, Chris. They win and they call themselves the youngest wrestlers alive. I am under the impression that they actually think that they are in 1986, even though they aren't in 1986. Um, <laughs> they did have a point where they're talking and the promo's just kind of broken. Yeah, we're the greatest tag team ever. You know, now that we're here and we're the outrunners, tell them Turb <laughs> for Turbo Floyd. I love the scuzziness of this gimmick. I love that they are like bootleg rock and roll RPMs from like the AWA or something where, where like every category or every, uh, every, regional promotion says we need a rock and roll express. And then they took a couple of middle-aged guys and tried to make them rock and rollers, you know, or, or even like a bootleg, uh, fabulous ones. But is it possible in the Ziggy dice slash Anthony green kind of thing that you go too far into the gimmick where you believe it? it, it I, I'll give you another example. This is like the new breed, but they actually went back in time and they think they're there type of a gimmick. And I don't know if that kind of uh, unrepent stupidity can work. I would like to almost see like maybe a whole federation themed around that. Like, oh, like uh, the uh, like what WWE did with the uh, Southpaw wrestling. Yes, yes, exactly. Like, like I think I would like to see those gimmicks. I would like, and I think those gimmicks would actually be entertaining. In, I mean, you couldn't do, you know, like extended things, but like, what if you did like a 10 season or 10 episode run with, you know, like storylines and yeah, stuff. Yeah, I'd be interested in that, but, but let me ask you this. Let me, let me keep but, it a little but, bit on but track. To, but to, no, no, I'm trying to swing it back okay. here. To answer your question in AEW, no, because I just think you run into this like problem of like, they come off too much as like a clown show. Yeah, exactly. Like if they came out and they challenged the Fantastics. You know they could never get a match with the Fantastics, so it's like, all right, <laughs> you know, yeah, that that's I'd have that groan type of feeling because I I love the throwback aspect of it. I just don't want them to necessarily believe that they're actually in 1987, 
and you know, hey, we could go to the AWA and fight, you know, Doug Summers and Playboy Buddy Rose or something like that. I, I, I just, I don't want it to go that far in the stupidity, but I do love the stupid and I admire it. Your turn, sir. Ricky Starks is now several weeks into wow. the Chris Jericho vortex, and he is hotter than ever, Jeff. <laughs> Like all people, several weeks into the Jericho cycle, Ricky Starks looks like a title contender once again. Can't wait to see him go up against MJF. You really think he's a world beater at this point. Having lost the gauntlet to Daniel Garcia here, oh, sure, he's going to go into a match against Chris Jericho. He still will be losing along the way here to the Jericho Appreciation Society. It's like they'll be getting the better of him the entire way down, except for the final match. Yes, and then and, and then I'll make him a star. No, I won't. That's the Jericho template every yes. time. Every no, you're, time. You're, you're exact. And, and of course, Jericho brought back the greatest hit for being, you know, the masked wrestler in the crowd. He's done that uh, before. Yeah, I, I, I think the big malfeasance here as well was commentary didn't even understand the rules of the Jericho gauntlet because, uh, and it was mostly Tony Schiavone. And, and so they come down and he has to be 2.0. He gets that. And then Tony goes and he has two more people to beat. No, it was set up last week that if he beats both a 2.0, he'd have to fight either, either Daniel Garcia or Sammy Guevara. And that's why they were playing that up. But he, but he was under the impression he had to beat both of them in a match in matches. And it's just like, yeah, I, I agree. This just, and why doesn't why doesn't Starks have friends? Where is where is Action Andretti to second him to keep these shenanigans from uh, from occurring? I understand that's a heat spot. Don't get me wrong, but we just had the heat spot when they were in the tag match. He eventually has to overcome these guys, right? Not just by a fluke. Yes, and 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 actually, if Starks needs friends, who he needs as a friend is Brian Danielson right now. Like like they should be friends. If you're gonna try to you know. The idea here is that, like, Ricky Starks is supposed to be a main event guy eventually. He should he have main event friends. Main event friends is yeah. who he needs to have. Yep. I I, I can see that. I, I, <laughs> fan, I, uh, the breakup of Toxic Attraction. You, you know, in, in, in the news lately, Chris, there's been this thing about actors who don't check their props <laughs> before actually shooting a scene. Well, apparently that happened in this in this uh, breakup angle uh, where the door was uh, not checked that would swing the other way when, the, when JC rammed Gigi Dolan into it. Bunk. Yeah, incredible selling from Gigi Dolan. She looked like she was in extraordinary pain. Yes, because she was and then took, a, <laughs> took a foot to the face and do it. With 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 no give from the door. I mean, like the the three I counted nasty, nasty to the head moments yes. for Gigi Dolan back to back. Like I, I don't think JC realized the door. I, I I feel certain she didn't realize the door wasn't giving. Yes. Um. And so that that first boot to the face, God. There's no give at all. That no. was just, that was just Dolan's head going right into that unforgiving door, uh, barely giving. And then she gets a second one for her troubles, <laughs> and that one looked like it sucked. Oh, oh they, no that that looked like it hurt like hell. Yeah, I saw like why why is 
why is Shawn Michaels stealing this angle? Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, do people not realize how long ago this angle was with Janetti and, and Shawn Michaels? Number one. Number two, the original plan was, you know, before Marty Janetti got in some legal trouble, was it was supposed to make both guys a star. So they're not actually burying your precious Gigi Dolan. Gigi Dolan is the one who will have the most sympathy and is probably the best at that. JC has her heel persona down. And I think this is the right choice for who is who in this. My only thing is that main roster needs some women's tag teams. And they were up there for all of two weeks and they got over, I thought. And I, I just, I don't see breaking them up, but you can always put them back together once you decide to move them up to the roster. I am of the opinion, and I don't have, I didn't ask about this, but I think the Katana Chance, Caden Carter team is going up there to be the new fresh babyface team. So in the meantime, while you're waiting to bump up Toxic Attraction, they're going to do the breakup type thing. That's interesting because I felt like Chance and uh, Carter were uh, going kind of heel this week on the episode. Yeah, but they've teased that before. It, it's weird. Yes. They, they, I mean, no, for sure. Um, and I guess on Jane and Dolan, uh, I think breaking them up does give Jane the chance to go up against Roxanne Perez, which I think could be a, a real good... Well, they just did that, though. They did the triple threat on, on Vengeance Day. Yeah, but that was... That was a dumb thing to book in the first place. <laughs> we did not give just... ice cold thoughts on Vengeance Day, but I only thought there was no, no. But like, I, I want to remind you of something, Jeff. Yeah, a lot. Yeah, because because you you forget about this all the time, and okay. I think it's time that you put it back in your head. Dolph Ziggler was NXT champion. Oh God, I hate you so much right now. Yeah, I, I had literally forgotten about that. Yeah, you had. I was waiting for you to take your victory lap because you made the right calls on a lot of things. Gallus, your tag team champions in NXT right now. Boom. You know, uh, chicanery with the cage, kind of in that. Um, Look, if you did not watch NXT Vengeance Day, it really wasn't uh, a great show per se, other than the opener. Wesley and Dijak tore the house down, but. Uh, because you are not on social media, I don't believe you got to see Dijak's dislocated finger, which. Oh, was... no, I did. I did see that. It's oh, nasty. you did. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, And, you know, they set up the Carmelo Hayes, Braun Breaker feud. And I think that's one of the reasons why they never made Grayson Waller worth a damn, which I think is an, an incorrect move. Don't get me wrong. Carmelo Hayes should be booked strong, but that doesn't mean you don't book the other guys strong as well. I mean, Carmelo Hayes is a baby face going up against Grayson Waller would be a great feud. Yeah. I mean, you could do that eventually too. I mean, it's, it's yeah. I just, uh, um, I have a weird fascination just, just to bring up one other thing on this NXT show. I kind of liked that Sol Ruka Zoe Starks match. But I really like Zoe Starks a lot. I think Sol Ruka is. Intriguing. I want to sit her down. And I want to sit the coaches down. I want to say, guys, Sol Ruka is very, very good at gymnastics. I get that. She's very athletic. But do we have to put the flourish on every single move she does? Because 
It's why Feast not or teach famine. Her lucha. Yeah. I, I don't like why have her why have them do gymnastics when you get these gymnasts and instead teach them some lucha fundamentals that look more like combat. Yeah, I, I would agree there a little bit. I mean, I, I, I've said punch kick is the way to go. No, but like a soul Ruka probably should be doing head scissors and stuff. I yeah. think it would look impressive. Yeah, she's she's very much like but I but I'd also sit her down and do like Brad Armstrong from 1986 where he's just doing head scissors. He's not really getting a lot of offense in there type of a thing. Zoe Starks, I don't want her as a heel. I think she's good at it. I just don't want her as a heel. I think she has a really cool babyface vibe. I think she's miscast a little bit here. Yes, I just I like I like I mean I think they're doing this to get to a Roxanne Zoe match, and okay. I'm good I th- with that. Yeah, I, and I I think you know like she obviously Zoe's gonna lose, but like I I, I like the uh, I I don't know I, li- I like toughening her up. I, I think like it's probably easier to do that with the way the roster is currently constructed yeah. with her as a heel. And I will state this again: Fire Booker T. He's just the worst. It, I, I I love how like some I I need to write these down because sometimes he says these lines that are like so tremendously destructive over the course of one sentence. Where he's trying like, to be excited and he's trying to really you know, but he doesn't watch the product. Right, and he'll even say that like, or I don't know nothing about that. Uh, and like like it, it, he he's the guy in improv who hears like yes and and he goes I'm gonna break that rule like jazz and like doesn't realize that like no there's a reason it's a rule like just you should just roll with it trust here me. here we are in the park no that's stupid I'm on a <laughs> ship right now not uh <laughs> and the other guys okay we're on a ship in the park no there's no park here parks don't have water parks don't have ships nope (laughs) you're right i'm delusional and crazy you're not crazy you're absolutely sane and know everything that's going on (laughs) no this is just a scene (laughs) i've been in six of those scenes chris No, well, you're just, just trying to be supportive. No. Try, I, I could. I, I hope that Vic Joseph just someday goes postal. <laughs> I can't take it. He just starts wailing on Booker T. <laughs> you son of a! Stop denying everything I'm trying to build here with my play by play. Booker T right now is getting by on the goodwill that he does seem to authentically like Roxanne Perez, but like that's about it. But everybody knows that Roxanne used to be a student, and that's the only reason yeah. why he likes her. <laughs> like, he's going to start praising Ivy Nile, because I, I forgot this in the news, but of interest, uh, Ivy Nile's been allowed to work indies, but it's but it's really Booker T's uh, Booker T's promotion, training promotion. He's, she's going to get some exposure there, which I think is an intriguing idea, because I think Ivy Nile getting different venues and stuff like that could only be good for her because she has some of the best combat sports legitimacy in wrestling. She, we talked about this, like, was it last week or the week before, but like she moves the way we more ideally would like to see a lot of the the female talent and stuff move in the ring. It's snapper. It's snappier. It's crisper. It's more Uh deliberative. It looks like it looks combative. Yeah. Uh, Booker T is just going to, 
this wolfy guy it's like oh my god you've never even watched gallus what are you doing <laughs> i never watched nxt uk but i can tell you this these gallus boys are bad he you you really could ai chatbot oh booker i'm gonna t. have to chat gpt a booker t yeah a NXT yeah script. yeah no like because <laughs> like he doesn't watch anything so like ai basically could do the same work with probably a better command of the names. I have no other notes. Do you want to end it there? Um, I'm okay. It's, it, I mean, nothing about the elite. Like they, they were, they're just there for you too. Uh, look, I, I have arguments with this behind the scenes with a, a, a certain lady friend who loves the elite. I kind of tuned out. To be honest with you, because it was it was it was the PWG party match, and it's a good match, but I've seen it. I think they did a good job of getting AR Fox over, and I think if you haven't seen AR Fox, you were really into this match. But I've seen a lot of AR Fox, uh, not only here but also just because Montez Ford has stolen his entire move set for the most part. <laughs> um, I I think the point of this match was to get AR Fox over as a star. And I don't know if they got there or not. I liked the match. It was perfectly cromulent, as I like to say. But did you ever think the top flight in Air Fox was going to beat the Elite? I mean, there was one fall where I thought maybe. Yeah, right. No, no, not ever. Yeah. And so I think everybody's kind of in a holding period waiting to see what big feud the Elite's going to be in next. And they get to watch a match, a work rate match. This is, this is for the spreadsheet people. Where it's like, was that a 4.25 or a 4.50 type of a thing? And I understand those people. I love those people, even though I mock them. I, I kid because I care. But this wasn't, mm. uh, I mean, but this did not do anything to forward the elite status. It didn't do much for top flight other than put them in a match. This was all about the AR Fox show. Yeah, which I, think I, I did. Focus for it. I didn't, I just didn't think this is a particularly. It was it was just there for it was me. moves. Yeah. yeah, it was moves. It was and, and I didn't think it was a super strong deployment of TV time. Like, or if you're gonna have that match, have it as the opener. Like, why is that the sub main event? Hot opener, yeah. No, I yeah. Okay. the placement I could have I could have done with, but I, you know, I think this was just this is the crowd pleasing match before we actually I think the placement on this was probably a little bit genius because hey, we you get to have this hot spot fest uh co main event, and then we're gonna then we're going to piss you off by giving the titles to, to the guns. Yeah. Uh, one last note. Uh, the Chelsea Green versus Oscar match was just like an absolute mess of booking kind of from top to bottom. Like Ch- Chelsea Green should have been obliterated by this new iteration of Oscar. I have no, especially once you start. What was the point of the SmackDown women coming to Raw? And, and, and once they surround the ring, then yeah. at that point, Chelsea Green needs to have like this arrogant moment where she goes I'm which she did where she's like I'm going to you know show my my stuff to all of you and then yes. at that point Oscar should torture her yes. for 2 minutes it, yes. it it shouldn't just be that she puts her down it's that like Oscar like basically clowns her uh torments Chelsea Green and we can rebuild her in the subsequent weeks here but like in this moment Chelsea Green needs to be like a screaming dummy um, at being an exhibition for all of her opponents at the elimination chamber who leave that scene terrified. That's yeah. why you would have them come down and surround the ring. 
That's why. To watch in horror as Asuka picks apart this dope of a character who is going to have a half-life of about four weeks, I think, on the main roster. Yeah. And go, this is what I'm going to do to you all once we're locked up in there. No, I I, I agree. Uh, It was just weird. It's like... Is this an invasion angle? Are we are we doing you know blue t shirts versus red t shirts? All of a sudden, no. It's it's just all these women are in SmackDown and they came to came down to ringside. Just like this is stupid. I thought I I I just didn't understand it at all. I didn't understand the point. And as far as the hurt business rebuild goes, I'll care when it looks good. Uh, I, I I'll I believe it when I see it. I liked the I'll match believe though. it when I see it. Yeah, I'll believe they're committed to it when I see it. Yeah, no, that's not gonna happen. <laughs> it's just not gonna no, happen. It's no, gonna be- no, I know, but 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 people are whispering of a dream, and I say to you, sit back and let the dream arrive or not. They are it getting is like fed a wave. to Brock next week or the week after. This is a two week story, and then it's the end of the hurt business again. Yep. No, next week they get fed. The week after it's almost who takes it, and then and then it's the elimination chamber. That that's how they're going to do this. I I think. But yeah. We'll end it there. You can uh follow me at crapgame13 on Twitter. You can follow the show at shake them ropes all one word. We are part of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Chris is on the gram, which I am not on that much, but he enjoys the gram. It's doctor, the word doctor underscore nove. If you'd like to follow him playing cover songs and guitars and playing with cats and other things of that variety. Uh, Chris also has other projects that he does. He's going to tell you about them now. Yeah. Well, mostly it's the Instagram, Instagram.com slash Dr. D O C T O R underscore N O V. And don't worry about the government. It well, there'll be announcements about don't worry about the government, but I think it is basically only going to exist on the Patreon from now on. Uh, cause I don't know how to fix the website. Jeff. the website's down and it's down in a way i don't really understand it i'm not doing that many episodes anymore so i think it might just be like a show i kind of do like semi-privately on the uh on the patreon from now on uh like i've been kind of getting the end to get back into doing things and then i i was like looking into it this week i was like oh crap the the don't worry.tv is actually down now um (laughs) and, and i don't really know how to fix that so still got the patreon um the shows i mean you can listen to the uh the bp that I, I need to get produced once i get some more money coming in here um because I've, I've finished all the recording on that and that's up at patreon.com slash or uh slash dwatg and I, oh go ahead yeah you know go ahead what were you gonna say i was gonna plug my other projects uh i am on the fight game media network patreon.com slash fight game media on wednesdays doing the dynamite show with myself and paul ace fontaine if you're a member of that patreon for five bucks um i also did a show with garrett gonzalez of wrestling observer radio about the road to wrestlemania talked a lot about the Rhea charlotte program and other programs that are up and coming and also, I am uh, set to record something with Joel Pearl over on Fightful Overbooked about the history of the Elim- Elimination Chamber. It'll be fun to get back to that old neighborhood there. Look for that uh, to be released in the coming weeks. But for now, for myself and for Chris Novembrino, talk to you next week.
Hello there, everybody. It's me, Gary Kidney, the co-host of You've Got to Be Kidding Me on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. And I am Liam Jones, my full name, and I am also a part of the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network as a co-host for You've Got to Be Kidding Me. We are a TNA history podcast that covers TNA one month at a time. We cover all the drama, all the matches, all the Vince Russo nonsense you could ever want in your life. Have you you heard of TNA? I bet you have. But would it be funnier if two people made jokes over it the whole time? Probably. So if that sounds like fun to you, check it out on this very Voices of Wrestling podcasting network and Liam will do bits and whatnot.